Welcome to Accelerate OC, the only show focused on the people leading innovation in Orange County. Join our host, Carrie Ransom, and his conversations with the trendsetters, entrepreneurs, investors, and leaders here, because it's time to Accelerate OC. Good morning. Welcome to Accelerate OC. I'm Carrie Ransom. And thanks always to our engineer, Paul, for making me and my guests sound so good. Today's episode is sponsored by OC4 Venture Studio, which is a new startup tech company building platform and uh, organization here in Orange County. If you are looking for help with your startup, uh, you're looking for opportunities to work with the next generation of high growth companies or entrepreneurs like my guest today, or you want to be part of the Orange County startup community, go to OC4V.com to learn more. I am very excited to have Marinella Gombasev here on Accelerate OC today. And before we get to hear from her, she's had a tremendous number of interesting experiences in a very short amount of time. And we want to hear for about those today. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about Marinella. So she's currently president and CEO of Evoke Neuroscience, which is a medical diagnostic technology company focused on areas such as memory loss and cognitive disorders. Uh, already, they've been ranked twice in the Inc. 500, 5,000 fastest growing private companies. And we'll get into Evoke a little bit more here in a bit. Previously, she also has worked in some other regulated industries outside of medicine. And it sounds like she might be a glutton for punishment, as I've had some experience with regulated businesses. And uh, it, it takes a, a special amount of patience to, to, do, to deal with that. But she's been in areas such as aerospace uh, as well in other senior operational roles. And she's been really, you know, provided a lot of accolades for her work and leadership. She was named to the Hot 25 of Orange County Most Influential Leaders and Innovators. Uh, she's been inducted into the UC Irvine School of Engineering Hall of Fame for professional achievements. And she's also even been featured in a book uh, where she was named a Renaissance woman. And she is a huge advocate for STEM. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about STEM for uh, not everyone still is completely familiar with that or now STEAM that I'm hearing more and more about as well. But she really is a big advocate for that as uh, an area of study for today's youth. And she also spends time mentoring other startup entrepreneurs. So she is very busy. Marinelle, thanks for finding the time to join us on Accelerate OC today. Absolutely. I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Happy to. So let's go to the starting line. Tell us a bit about Evoke Neuroscience and how you got involved with it. Yeah, absolutely. So Evoke Neuroscience is a diagnostic med tech company, and it was founded uh, about 10 years ago now by the founders who are neuroscientists, and they saw this real gap in our clinical care. Um, we go to the doctor as patients, and we get everything checked. We get our heart checked out. We get lab test results. But nobody looks at the brain and how well it's working. Mm. Nobody looks at the brain objectively to look at function. Um, so we have a variety of tools such as MRIs, CT scans that look at structure and blood flow. Mm -hmm. um, but really in the primary care setting, there's a gap because we have this really important organ that we're not monitoring to see how well it 
it holds up over time, whether it's due to a neurological um, uh, dysfunction or disease or just regular aging. We want we should be measuring how well we're doing. Um, so they created a device called the Evox system which uses electrophysiology to measure brain function. Mm. Um, and it specifically takes a look at EEG, which has been around for uh, almost 100 years now, um, but in a very narrow scope. And so they, they looked at um, using EEG as a way to look at function. And this is actually really well supported in the least research literature for over the last 30 years, showing that EEG could be used to look at um, memory loss, mm. to look at um, things like PTSD, uh, traumatic brain injury, ADHD, and a variety of other sort of disease states by looking at how well these particular areas of the brain are working. So um, the founders and the board brought me in five years ago to help kind of with the business side of things mm -hmm. to accelerate growth of the company, to bring it the technology to market in a bigger way. And so I've, I've been thrilled to be there. And after the founders exited, I was promoted to the CEO position just last year. Well, congratulations on, on that. So let's let's go a little bit uh, more into that. So I'm in the doctor, and is this, as you think about it, is this something I'm going to do because of a symptom that I'm potentially showing, or is this something that is, in your mind, more proactive, like an annual physical, and this would just be added to it as another type of diagnostic? Yeah, our goal is unequivocally to change the standard of care mm -hmm. so that this becomes a preventive way to look at um, brain function. So mm -hmm. much like you go and you put on your blood pressure cuff, yep. we really see this as a blood pressure cuff for the brain. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what we're working towards in evolving our product. But current state, it is very much so based on symptoms and complaints from patients. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then is the primary care physician equipped with how to actually look at the output or is this more of a, we, it needs to be sent away someone to, to look at who has more expertise like, like your company? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, our customers include primary care doctors as well as neurologists. Mm -hmm. um, but the the key to our product is that you don't need to be an expert in EEG. You don't need to be a certified mm -hmm. technician to perform the test. You don't need to be a neurologist to understand the data. We train the physician how to do that so they become self-sufficient. Mm -hmm. So it becomes much like receiving a lab test results, let's say with your cholesterol score. You get a score and a ideal range, mm -hmm. and then the doctor interprets what that means in the context of other patient history and medications. Sure. Uh, That's great. Well, what's what's on tap for this year? I mean, we're, we're just uh, here into 2020, and I love this uh, blood pressure cuff for the brain kind of uh, vision. That, that, that That's very clear, and, and I think to me would mean a massive market opportunity for, mm -hmm. for your company to get to that type of standard. So how do you work toward that this year? Yeah. Um, so we're doing a couple of exciting things this year that will come to fruition. So we've actually partnered with UC Irvine, um, the bioengine program, and their team is actually creating a feasibility prototype right now as we speak uh, for this blood pressure cuff for the brain. Mm -hmm. So it takes our current platform product and it miniaturizes it down into something like a headband. Mm -hmm. um, and they will be evaluating feasibility of one 
biomarker that is very stable um, based on electrophysiology that is much like uh, blood pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're really excited about that partnership. Um, in parallel, we actually started a clinical trial, uh, clinical stu- study last year with the Pacific Neuroscience Institute in Santa Monica. And this is a study of 300 patients that will allow us to develop an artificial intelligence-based biomarker for diagnosis of Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. as well as mild cognitive impairment, which is often the stage prior to Alzheimer's. Okay. That will be a very novel um, application of EEG, and um, if can, if that can be accomplished, it would f- much simplify the current diagnostic process. Very cool. That's mm-hmm. that's super exciting. Mm-hmm. So I mentioned uh, when I was doing your intro that you've done uh, work in some other industries outside of medicine. Um, I I've done a little bit of work in healthcare over my career as I've, I've probably touched more industries than anybody I know uh, because I'm just weird that way. I, I always shy away from healthcare, to be honest, because I think it's just a, it's an amazing place to, to help improve people's lives. I mean, the, the work that you're doing is, is incredibly compelling. It just requires an insane amount of patience because things just seem to move uh, slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, and and regulations often stand in the way. You've seen that in other industries as well. What is it about regulated industries that you've either ended up in or developed an, an interest in? Yeah, I mean, I first started in college, out of college in electrical engineering as a design engineer in aerospace, mm-hmm. and I don't know necessarily that I picked regular sure. <laughs> regulated sure. industries in, in the sense, but I, I kind of came into it as an engineer, and I was a part of these long um, product development cycles and saw the oversight from um, FAA and, and other organizations. Um, so I, I developed an expertise there, um, but really uh, I wanted to have more of an impact on humanity, and um, I found that I wanted to move to medical diagnostics and devices mm-hmm. in particular for that reason. And there just happened to be a lot of parallels in product development mm-hmm. um, and in go-to-market um, when you're looking at FAA versus FDA. Sure. So I leveraged my experience there. Um, but I found, you know, I would say I found so much um, meaning and... and um, joy, frankly, in working in this space because of the impact that it mm-hmm. makes, despite all of the challenges sure. of the regulated industry. Um, and it does require certain ten- tenacity, persistence, mm-hmm. long-term view, which I think is, is you know, it's not for everybody, but it's something that I happen to have um, in me, I guess. Yeah. I think I think the headline there maybe is purpose enables persistence. <laughs> yes, yes. That's a great one. I mean, picked up on your, your comment of you know, a lot of parallels between the FAA and the FDA. I think that's really compelling. One of the things that I've uh, I've talked to, I think at least somewhat on, on prior shows, I like personally this notion of taking on what I call 50% jobs, where I feel like I understand 50% of what I'm signing up for and the other 50% is completely brave new world. I have to go figure it out. Mm-hmm. And despite the fact that you know, there maybe are some parallels between the FAA and the FDA. I would say it was probably at least a 50% lift to go into a, a new industry. So how do you approach learning new and, and really, because, you know, as you describe what you're doing, you're very well versed mm-hmm. in this industry now. How did, how did you get yourself there? Yeah. And that's a great context for, in terms of, you know, the jumping industries and stretching myself. I think I've always 
sought out to get outside of my comfort zone Mm -hmm. um, and maybe my upbringing kind of necessitated and facilitated that for me. So I continuously find myself in uncomfortable, stretched learning situation and I situations. And I put myself there intentionally because that's where I thrive the most. That's Mm. where my learning curve is the highest. That's where I get most frustrated and but then also experience the most reward um, after mastering it so yes I mean throughout my career and in, in my personal life and in mentoring and all that I always choose the biggest challenge the thing that makes me the most um, uncomfortable mm-hmm. and that's just been a pattern that's <laughs> sucker for punishment I guess yeah I, I, I totally <laughs> relate to that I think um, so let's, let's go a little deeper with that I mean you talked about you know maybe it was your your upbringing I mean there's there's some amount of confidence or some other type of underlying psychology i would think is required to as i'll say be comfortable being uncomfortable because i think you have to have some amount of comfort with it to to intentionally put yourself there so what as you think about that like what is it about your background that you think is is put you in that in that place yeah i mean actually i have a quite an unusual background. I was born and raised in uh, Bosnia until about age eight. And at age eight, a civil war broke out in our country. And so my mom took my sister and I and we fled. We fled the war. Um, And so for about three months, we were homeless in Croatia, living in a uh, family-owned Winnebago with no running water, no power. And, um, you know, I just recall that time and it was actually quite serene. And um, we never felt like uh, it was hopeless. And so through a variety of, of circumstances, we ended up in Germany. Um, my dad joined us later in Germany and, you know, we had to all learn the language, mm. start over. My parents had both master's degrees, but they started over as grocery baggers mm. and, you know, um, they worked their way up. And that, I think, showed the tremendous amount of resilience. I mean, how uh, how better to experience resilience by watching your parents yes. and go through that. Ultimately, we couldn't stay in Germany. So five years after that, um, we actually either had to face going back or finding another home. And so we were very lucky to have um, my mom's sister, who was already had already immigrated into Orange County after living through the war um, entirely in Bosnia. And um, we came to Orange County, of all places. So I think that experience impressed upon me so many different things but among them is that you know no matter how hard things are things are going to be okay and just keep fighting and looking for opportunity Mm -hmm. and you know taking those chances and those risks and starting over is okay yeah i that's there's so much in there that's that's Mm -hmm. so powerful and i think share you know i i will uh just commend you for sharing but also ask that you you continue to share that story because i think it just connects with so many other people that you know, Orange County can be a, a really daunting place, but I think it can also be a very comfortable place. And I look at part of our job, uh, I'm going to draft you uh, in to this, is to really inspire people that they can do more and mm-hmm. that, you know, they have the support and the, the opportunity to go take on big challenges because of the fact that uh, they can start over and there is enough and uh, you know, the, the the opportunities are there. So that's that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So one of the reasons I started the show, Marinella, was really to highlight people like you. I, mm-hmm. I, I've been so fortunate to meet amazing people in this community over the time that I've been here. And they're they're entrepreneurial and they're creative and they're innovative. And we don't 
get to tell enough of these stories like mm -hmm. yours. And so how do you think about the things that we should be doing here as a community to inspire more of the younger folks who are here to be bold and step forward and go go help change the culture and, and change the world, frankly? Yeah. I mean, I think a big part of it is starts with all of us who um, have had some level of experience and some level of success and mm -hmm. whatever that looks like and sharing that and mm -hmm. sharing that with the community and like you say inspiring that next generation i get so much joy out of talking to college students or talking to uh, young women who are thinking about starting businesses mm -hmm. or who are in a career and they need some career advice just sharing these experiences to basically to reinvest in this community mm -hmm. and to get some energy and excitement around look what you can do mm -hmm. if only you chose mm -hmm. and look at this opportunity i mean you know, my story is just one of so many. Um, and I think it starts with sharing and setting an example of what can be done and sharing that. And that's how I became inspired as a leader myself. I watched other women in really incredible uh, leadership positions and they shared their story with me and that inspired me. And so I think it's about paying it forward and giving back in that sense. Uh, absolutely. Could mm -hmm. not agree more. So what, what are some things you think we can do better as a community to support early founders? What 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 do you feel like are the... Uh, yeah, I mean, a yeah. couple of things. I think it's from the ground up and the, from the top down, if you will. Mm -hmm. So from, from the ground up, you know, we have to give voice to a lot of these young folks mm -hmm. um, who are here, let's say they're in college, and they're thinking about, okay, what do I do with my life? Uh, where do I go? Of course, the draw is places like Silicon Valley yes. or the cities. Um, and so we have to find a way to keep these people here, mm -hmm. um, to have them be part of our ecosystem. And uh, the, the one way to do that is to give them voice, yes. um, is to really listen to what their needs are. I mean, it, it is the next generation. It's mm -hmm. not going to be the same like it has been. And so people care about social impact. They care about the planet. They care about uh, work-life integration mm -hmm. and having a quality of life. Mm -hmm. They don't care about family yet if they're younger, but they will. Sure. And seeing that they can stay connected to their family, families here and then build their own family here it could be a lot of value. So that's, you know, one thing I've been thinking about is how do we bring to life the, the needs and desires of that next generation mm -hmm. and making them feel at home here? Yes. Um, and there's a real cultural component to that. That's right. But from the top down, I would say, you know, if you're living in Orange County and you've done well and, you know, you're looking at um, what to do next, I would really encourage you to invest in this community. Um, I myself, are, I'm fundraising for Evoke Neuroscience, and I've been in this community seeking funding. And it's frankly, it's easier to get capital capital elsewhere. Yes. Um, so I would really call upon anybody who cares about the future of Orange County, not in the next five years, but 10, 20, 50 years from now, to invest here. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's a great a great call to arms. There's, uh, you know, there is some amount of, and I don't want to, I, I mean, I'll call it complacency. I don't know that that's the right way to describe it. But, you know, whether it's comfort or, or even conservatism, um, you know, I had a conversation as recently as last night and, Somebody said, look, Carrie, you're involved in all these really interesting, exciting tech companies, but I have no idea how to evaluate them. Mm -hmm. And that is what gives me pause to get involved and to invest. And my, my point of view is there are people here 
like me, like others who are very capable, who are knowledgeable, who can do this. And it doesn't, it shouldn't just be one person who has to make all these decisions. This is a, it's a community effort, but to your point, we have to come together to, to really do that and invest in each other and support each other. And it's not just capital, as you know, I mean, Absolutely. part of why we started OC4 was to say, Hey, you know, capital is a key ingredient to building companies for sure, but there's a lot more to it mm -hmm. than that. And so, um, I think, you, you know, you bring up a great point. It, it, it shouldn't be harder here than elsewhere. It should be easier here than elsewhere because you're here mm -hmm. and you're deeply embedded and committed to this community, not for this company, but for your life that you're trying to build here. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that, that I think is what the distinction we need to, to create. So let's go back. Uh, great, great recommendations. I, th I think those are things that we will continue to try to move on and we're going to have to look for opportunities, for example, to, to do the town halls with some of the younger folks. And I talked to a lot of them and they, they don't want to leave but they feel like they sort of have to leave because the the universe is sort of pushing them to say, oh, I have to go to San Francisco or Seattle or New York or, or somewhere. And you mentioned before we started that you've lived in 10 different places in, in cities in Orange County. I think that's really unique, but you probably, you know, I'd love your perspective. Do you feel like there is a stage of life location for every stage that somebody could go through from call it their twenties to their thirties, their forties, all the way up uh, here. Yeah. Um, that's a great question. I, I think I have had an, the pleasure of living in multiple cities. Mm -hmm. So I have maybe a little bit more perspective on what orange County offers um, than somebody who has not had that experience, but I would say, um, there's still a missing piece for the the real younger folks mm -hmm. coming out of college. Mm -hmm. the, the cultural element, the excitement, the buzz, the um, connectedness mm -hmm. to the community. Mm -hmm. I think it's that is more hard to find. It's not that it doesn't exist, but it's mm -hmm. more hard to find in Orange County. You will find it in, in certain cities. But I think that's something that... Um, we could work towards improving for sure. But mm -hmm. beyond that, I mean, I think the quality of life here for families is amazing, mm -hmm. certainly for our aging population and for everybody in between. Yes, I think that um, the, the challenge I see is if we don't keep them here or get people here early in their career, it, it just becomes that much more difficult later. Right. Right. So you know, one of the initiatives I'm working on is a is a program to try to identify really community committed, high potential future leaders that are coming out of the universities here or have ties to Orange County and maybe are finishing their undergraduate degree elsewhere, but want to come back and try mm -hmm. to connect them to each other and to early opportunities uh, in companies here to, to really help identify them as, as maybe the core of a future younger group of, of leaders in their early 20s. So more on that, but that's uh, one of the things that I'm, I am doing some work on um, and taking some cues from another market where that's been very, very successful. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. And I like the comparison to other markets because we're not the only ones facing this challenge. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, the, the notion of brain drain, if you think of it that way, mm -hmm. is one that a lot of places in the country have 
have had to deal with or are dealing with and uh, we 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 certainly are at different levels we have it at that that really young end and and having three kids here i'm very aware of that mm-hmm. uh, at at the both you know how do they feel as they turn to high school graduation and think okay is my life likely to be here or somewhere else and that's a lot of what drives me and then the other is is that person really starting to think about career and is this a place where i can see myself spending my next 10 20 30 40 years and i think that's those are the kinds of answers we need to be mm-hmm. coming up with as a community so when you think about orange county and kind of along those lines and the areas of technology innovation that we should be leading the country or even the world in are there ones that you look at and you say you know we really have the the cluster of capability or talent or point of view that we should be a world leader in this yeah, I mean, um, I think that probably changes with, with decades and the innovations coming out of the universities. I mean, I'm, I'm obviously very close to the medical mm-hmm. uh, device and diagnostics. Mm-hmm. I do feel like we have infrastructure here for both R&D development and talent and mm-hmm. research, um, which is why um, I'm the gravitational pull for my company is to be here, even though mm-hmm. the company's uh, uh, based in New York City. Um, all of our go-forward research is here, our clinical studies. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a, a really a strength from my perspective. But also looking at the megatrends, right? I and mean, we know that artificial intelligence is, you know, it's obviously such a buzz term, but it's mm-hmm. in, impacting everything mm-hmm. from advertising to diagnostics to therapies to, you know, consumer products building our capabilities there um, at the starting at the university level mm-hmm. I think is really essential and key and will be a draw for the next generation as well absolutely so as you think about that I, I totally agree that 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 sort of university grounding or training and maybe that you know you build more of that you can now share it even broader with the broader community around that so you you're a, a graduate of UC Irvine mm-hmm. what type of entrepreneurial exposure or training did you receive when you were there number one and number two um, how well do you think we're, we're doing that today uh, with with the students who are there um, so when I went to UCI I did not have my eyes open to the entrepreneurial track mm-hmm. um, I was much less focused on um, building a business than to acquire a skill set and, you know, um, have a a career path that was rewarding to me. Um, But I will say now I've gone back and spoken at um, the entrepreneurial uh, classes Um, led by Gorn and Neil Sahota in mm-hmm. the past um, at UCI's engineering school. And so I know those resources are available to those students. Mm-hmm. Um, but you really, the, I, I got the entrepreneurial bug, I would say, later in my career as I went started from a Parker Hannafin, a you know, 50,000 employee sure. company down mm-hmm. to, you know, evoke neuroscience. Um, so, you know, I, I think the universities universities are part of it but um there can be a wider net cast um beyond the universities for the entrepreneurial folks um yeah yeah it's a good i I just always look at you got a captive audience it's like (laughs) this this group is there they're they're sponges they're they're ready to to learn and somehow we need to create those bridges so that's great to hear that you're you're over there Mm -hmm. um talking with them and you know, it's just, I think, often easy to, 
see this university as, as sort of an impenetrable uh, thing that, you know, isn't uh, tied into the real world. Um, and, and so how do you know, we, I think both sides have to, to really orient to each other. Yeah. And I think what I've seen over the years is that there's been more emphasis on entrepreneurship at the university level, not just in the business schools, but in all the programs. And you see that being penetrated in that discussion being had. And we have much of a startup culture, not just in Orange County, but in all of America. I mean, it's, it's been, um, the last decade or so has sure. been very focused on startups so i think we'll we'll see more and more of that uh, mindset mm-hmm. young out of school yeah i think it's it's sort of somewhat out of necessity right if you think about if you talk in the last decade mm-hmm. i mean 10 years ago things looked pretty bleak mm-hmm. at, in the the wake of the financial crisis and so when jobs are not a plenty people have to resort to some other alternative and often during those downturns are when some of the best companies get started Right. And so now we have this very low unemployment um, from a statistical standpoint. I, I tend to not always buy into all the numbers, mm-hmm. but I think a lot of people have had that experience where they were in a larger company thinking that was going to provide safety and security only to realize that the bargain just wasn't actually what they thought, mm-hmm. whether that was just the psychographic reward or the personal growth or the impact or whatever it was that that something just didn't fit and that's that's where i feel like we as entrepreneurs have to show people that you can do this Mm -hmm. and there's enough support there's enough encouragement um there are others like you that's where these stories can be so powerful like yours of hey i'm i'm gonna sign on i'm gonna come give this my all and now I'm the CEO of this company. That's that's incredible story for you to share. And I think that will be the, the kinds of triggers in some cases that people need to say, okay, I, I, I think I can maybe do this too. Yeah, I'm always glad to share. And, you know, I've, I've certainly benefited from folks before me. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's important to have that full circle. Absolutely. So as you think about that, I mean, the, the, because it's interesting, the data right now is not showing that we have enough new starts new new companies getting formed what are things you think we could do better to get more people to sort of join that movement of um, start it here build it here yeah i mean i think um it goes back to exactly what you're doing with oc4 innovation and venture um so having more of these um, platforms and places for people to go mm-hmm. and then sharing that those exist and where those are. So a lot of it is about getting the message out there. There are places to go. We yes. just need to tell people mm-hmm. where they are. Yeah, we, we don't necessarily have as many places here probably that cause the collisions. Mm-hmm. There there are. There are so many well-intended. I've had a lot of them on my show, whether it's Octane or Beal Applied Innovation, you know, even... Uh, Mike Daniel from the Small Business Development Centers here. There are eight of those across Orange County and um, San Bernardino County that are there for free for people to go if they have an idea and are thinking about starting a business. So we have a lot of those. But to your point, um, getting that word out and being the the voice to the market, we we just need to draft more folks like you to to share your stories and uh, inspire others. So thank you so much for coming on today and and doing that. I think that that's important work and 
may not always feel like it, but it is. It's meaningful. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This is a pleasure. Absolutely. So one of the other things I talk about on here sometimes, I, I find Orange County, I mean, you, you mentioned, you know, you've been here for, for quite a while now. You've lived in a lot of parts of Orange County. We have just incredibly rich diversity here of um, ages and ethnicities and industries. There's just it's so rich, but it's not as connected as mm-hmm. it as it should be. And I, I see that that's not only an Orange County problem. I mm-hmm. think this exists all over our country, frankly. But we're this interesting laboratory. I I believe that could really start to shape the the next generation of social culture in our country. Um, any, any thoughts on things you think we could do to really help move in that direction? Uh, that's a tough one. Uh, I think... I think you're right on that the integration of the different cultures Mm -hmm. um, is a real key and something that has tried to be solved for, I mean, even generations, right? Integration and, Mm -hmm. you know, when you have large groups of migrants coming to the States. And Mm -hmm. I think over time we've done a really good job as a society in doing that, especially if you compare it against other countries. So overall, I would say we're not terrible. But in terms of innovation, we always need more diversity of opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of diversity of, of cultures and backgrounds at University of California, Irvine. Oh, you know. sure. Yes. Um, but then when you go into the you know startup world, you lose some of that. Mm-hmm. So I would encourage anybody connected to those communities to 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 reach out and all of us to reach out and um, hear those voices and and find ways to involve those um, different communities that are not at the table um, Mm -hmm. as much as they should be Mm -hmm. i don't have an answer i just i agree it's a problem yeah Yeah, it's i mean at first it's i always look at any of these as first acknowledge yeah the opportunity A, a big part i I mean, I think from my perspective, I look at it as we need to create um, intention mm-hmm. around it, intention to include others that maybe don't feel like they're invited mm-hmm. and then make it really safe. Mm-hmm. Focus on where we have commonality as opposed to this media landscape that we're currently in that tends to start with differences mm-hmm. and, and polarize to sell. Uh, focus on that's not reality, that we have a lot more in common, a lot more of the same ambitions and values than differences. Yeah. And let's start there. And I think that, that that's a great place to, to connect, at least mm-hmm. from, from my perspective. Yeah. So, Marinello, I haven't had a chance to ask this. What is it about Orange County that you most appreciate? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, um, the ability to have access to so many things to design your own life, really. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, you know, I'm a firm believer in that we have a choice in how we design our lives yes. and that we're not a victim of our circumstances. Yes. So having a, a place like Orange County, you have so many different choices. And um, I, I also really believe in work-life integration, you know, and 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 not just working for working's sake, but working to make an impact. Mm-hmm. Um, and also while, while raising a healthy and productive and, you know, family that, that has values that want to give back and mm-hmm. uh, contribute to society. And I see that as much as part of my role uh, as a community member as, as it is to build a incredible company mm-hmm. that creates a lot of value in the community. Mm-hmm. So I think Orange County provides a, an incredible canvas for that. Um, you just have to choose to do it and and find your place in it um 
So I, I personally really enjoy the outdoors and, you know, getting out to the mm-hmm. beach as often as I can. And, um, you know, I think that's really a healthy um, approach to, and to, to spend more time outdoors. And it's, that's been demonstrated in so many studies. Yeah. Lifestyle is a big deal. And I think having a healthier society is, is, is better for humanity. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's so compelling. Thank you. Paul's giving me the time center here. I could sit here all day probably and pepper you with uh, other questions to just delve deeper, but we'll uh, we'll continue this conversation. Final lap here at, at Accelerate OC for today, and I always like to let my guests impart a final lesson or a key piece of advice that they uh, have accumulated along the way. So what would you love to share with other young entrepreneurs who are either considering starting or or in in their journey a lot of the folks that listen are uh in that place so what would you love to share with them this morning yeah i mean i I would echo our earlier conversation about getting outside your comfort zone you know being an entrepreneur you have to wear so many different hats and while you can't be a master of all you Mm -hmm. have to know where to get help and when and ask (laughs) for it you have to learn for ask for it but you also have to stretch yourself um beyond what you thought you would have to take on and continually getting outside of your comfort zone. Our technology is changing so quickly, mm-hmm. um, whether it's for startups, for just the, you know, people living, <laughs> dealing with technology mm-hmm. is that we have to continually innovate and learn and, and push ourselves. Otherwise we, you know, we're going to get left behind. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> that that's probably my biggest message is to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Oh, I think that's the headline of the day, and, <laughs> and that's that's great. Well, Marinelle, thank you so much for joining me on Accelerate OC this morning, taking us on this ride and sharing some great wisdom and great perspective from you know someone who I am very confident will be an important leader in this community for a long, long time. And thank you for stepping forward and actually um, playing that role because. We need more leaders like you who are grounded and visionary and inspiring and, and humble at the same time. Thank you for, for sharing all of that. And I wish you so much uh, of the best with Evoke in 2020 and beyond. You are, you're definitely doing your part to Accelerate OC. All right. Thank you. This has been fun. You've just listened to Accelerate OC. Join our live recordings every Tuesday morning at accelerateoc.com or listen, like, and share anytime from your favorite podcast spot. Let's Accelerate OC together. 